So welcome everybody. And this is the uh, body image workshop. And I am going to turn things over to Alyssa who has volunteered to be our chair for this session. Thank you, Alyssa. You're welcome. Good morning. Uh, my name is Alyssa. I am a compulsive overeater. And Lynn Renee, tell me to slow down when you need me to. Um, the topic of this panel is body image relationship no, body image relationship and sexuality. You might have had that backwards. My name is Alyssa, compulsive overeater. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. The other two speakers are Eric and Claire, and unfortunately don't know where they're from. They will let us know later. This session is being interpreted simultaneously into French. If you inquire, require interpretation, please click the interpretation symbol and choose French. Let us open with the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. The panel format is three speakers for 15 minutes each, and then attendees will also be able to ask questions of the speakers. The audio of this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Please note that this session will be available online at, or as a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. If you share, you have given consent to be recorded. Please do not share if you do not want to be recorded. Webinar information. As you have noted, webinar is view only. Attendees are automatically muted. Attendees are not visible to each other or to people in the panel. Only the panelists are vis visible. Please use the Q&A function to ask your questions of the panelists. Use chat for supportive comments. We ask that you keep what you hear here, uh, here, 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 and here, here confidential and that there be no recordings or screen captures. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend. Speakers share for 15 minutes. Um, our tradition states that OA has no opinions on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diets, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature, and other 12-step fellowships. Therefore, please base your sharing on OA experience. Um, so I am going to be the first speaker. Do we have a timekeeper here? I yes, guess. it's me, Alyssa, Judy. I'll be, okay. I'll be giving you uh, a five-minute warning, and then I'll let you know when time's up. All right, thank you. I think I will start. My name is Alyssa. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I will be speaking first, and I trust that my higher power or someone else's higher power will put words in my mouth so that I can carry the message, the message of recovery. Um, so I have been in the rooms for 19 years. I came in in either May or March of 2001. I don't remember which month. And I was about 300 or 320 pounds. I it's a lot of kilos. I have a picture. I don't know if you can see that picture. That was me in my office. It's kind of one side. That was me just before coming into program in May or March of 2001. Um, I would like to say I, got, I struck abstinent, but I wasn't. I got on a food plan. I thought I was abstinent. Um, things happened. Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving happened and I got on a, to, I discovered in program that I don't need um, 
that I don't need to binge. I don't need sweets to binge on. I was, uh, I committed to not, um, not, have, not having desserts for Thanksgiving, my first Thanksgiving in program. And I was still able to binge my way through the meal, through after meal, through the drive home, the, the 30 mile drive home from my brother's house. And then for the next six weeks, and I had a six week uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And in January, January 7th of 2002 is my abstinence date. And um, I've got 18 plus years of being absent and that is truly a gift. Um, I have a sponsor, my sponsor has a sponsor. I have sponsees who have sponsees who have sponsees. I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm caught in the middle of the OA chain, which is a really amazing place to be. I've got people who are, who are walking this path in front of me, alongside of me on one side and alongside of me on the other side. And I'm not alone. And I've always felt alone. So topic is body image, sexuality and relationships. I had over, I weighed over 300 pounds. I weigh probably about 175 now. I'm in a normal body weight, which is always a bizarre thing. Um, I work in schools in New York City and there's an accommodation for weight. If someone is too heavy, um, has a body mass index of 30 or more, they can get an accommodation and not have to work in the building and they can work remotely. This is the first time in my life where I'm not fat enough for something. And it blows my mind. A friend, mentor of mine, now has took the accommodation for weight. And it's really hard for me to understand that I have a lower body mass index of her. From her, it's not a it's not a value judgment on anybody. It's just it doesn't make sense because as a person who has grown up heavy and I was a 10-pound baby. And I've just, I've grown all through that to now not be obese. Even though I've not been obese for quite a while, a number of years, it still doesn't fit in my head who I see myself, how I see myself as. So I am the middle child, the girl between two boys in a sort of conservative family. I am in my mid fifties coming from a place where being queer was not the norm. It just was, it just didn't exist. Sex and sexuality in my family did not exist. Alyssa, um, it, excuse me, it's Judy. Could you just slow a little for the interpreter? Okay, I was looking for the word the, that I couldn't see it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, I'm sorry. I'm trying. So I come from middle, middle the girl, the dyke between two boys. And I knew I just did, and sex just didn't exist. My, I come from a very large, physically large family. It just, body, and it was just a lot of hatred around bodies and size. Uh, my father was very clear that the fact that I was fat was an embarrassment to him. He told me so. Uh, no matter how I excelled in school and in extracurriculars and he told me literally when I was number one in my class that I should do something like lose weight to make him proud so as long as I was fat I was no good it didn't matter what other things I did so I learned that because I'm fat I am no good or I've totally internalized that and I used my fat because I was so afraid of people getting to know me and as I got older and uh puberty and I realized that yeah no I'm not into boys like boys 
like girls should be into boys. It's like I needed to withdraw more. And I withdrew into 300 and something pounds. Um, I like to say that I had 140 pounds of stay the fuck away from me on me. I'll pause for that one. Because I realized that the bigger I am, the less I'm seen. So I don't need to deal with sex and sexuality. I don't need to worry about coming out. I don't need to worry about really interpersonal relationships because I'm just too big, pulled away. And I had this scowl on my face. So nobody really wanted to be my friend anyway. Fast forward, I did a pull to geographic. I moved back, moved away from the States. I came back to the States and I realized that I wanted to lose some weight. Like I've lost weight at, like going off to college. I've lost weight, moving, finishing college and going someplace else. I did a, a weight loss and I was always there with me. And that was the problem. I, I would bring my troubles, me with me. So I was, I got on some commercial diet plan. I lost 70 pounds in seven months and I was cured. So I went online to a dating site back in the day of dial up. So this was 1999. And I found somebody who said she wanted to date me. It's like, okay, it was cool. And she told me that if I lost, if I gained weight again, she'd dump me. Which very much was kind of my father. I'm only as good as my size. So in the process of the first year, I put back on about a hundred pounds. And I kept telling her she was, it was her problem, not mine. Turns out it was my problem. She happened to be a member of another fellowship and kept yelling, you're like an addict, you're like an addict. And once we took out the like, it became true. I am an addict. My primary substance of addiction is food and food behavior. So came into OA, I hated going to OA. The first meeting, I heard the welcome home. So the read the full welcome home and I started crying. And some woman gave me a big hug for being there and loved me from the first day because of the thing I hated most about myself, my size and my food addiction. And I was able to lose weight, work a program, had a, my one slip or re relapse uh, like six months into program. I've been absent ever since. I've lost weight. And I still had to deal with the sex and sexuality and who I am. As I lost weight, men started looking at me and I'm a lesbian. I do not want men catcalling me. I do not find it great or any, in any way appealing when I walk past a construction site or I walk past a guy and he makes some comment about me or her. I ride a motorcycle and guys say, ooh, can I ride with you? I'm like, no, no, you know, it's like, and I, I'm still uncomfortable with that. I'm also oddly uncomfortable with female interaction sometimes because I don't feel worthy of it or I didn't feel worthy of it. Because in my mind, I still see myself as morbidly obese. Right now I'm in a relationship with a woman who is significantly younger than I am. 
and significantly thinner than I am. Actually, she's thinner than I am, but weight-wise, we're only about 25 pounds apart. She's got two inches taller than me, but she is really trim and young. And I'm thinking, what is she doing with an old fart like me? And she loves me and she loves my body. So in the big book, it talks about, we need to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. Just watching the, uh, <laughs> I'm watching the interpreter. So one of the things I need to throw out the window is that I'm not lovable. Five minutes. Thank you. Is that I'm not lovable and that my body is unattractive and that I'm fat and therefore not worthy of anything. Even fat people are worthy of love. When I was fat, I was worthy of love. And these are things I need to keep telling myself. However, as a person in a normal sized body, and I have to say that because this is a woman's medium shirt and I've got a little bit of room in it. And in the picture I showed, it was probably a size 28 women's. So I'm significantly smaller, but here's not always smaller. So a buddy of mine gave me a trick. They said, look at this, your pants, the size of your pants on the bed. Objectively, they're not huge. I quite, I, my problem is that I pick at scabs because let me find the negative part. Let me see what I can do to hurt myself. That's part of my ism. That's part of my disease is the negative thinking and the negative self-talk. So I'll say, oh, I'll compare myself to somebody else. But I'm comparing myself through my I am fat eyes to somebody's typically uh, sized. And I will always twist it in a way that I am bad. That is my problem. That is my disease. That is my defect that I work on. And I do have a specific action plan around negative self-talk and negative, like that negative loop in my head. So sex and sexuality, um, I go to one of my home meetings is a women's sexuality meeting out of New York City. It's at 715. Um, there's a men's meeting that meets at the exact same time in the same location when we're in physical. And we have a list of um, sexuality behaviors and beliefs. And one of the, la the last one is, do you only want to have sex late at night in the dark under the covers? Well, yeah, because she can't see how fat I am under the covers at night in the dark, but her hands can still feel me and she can still, be, still see me in the daytime, but somehow it's, it still makes sense. But this woman that I'm dating, doesn't work well at night. She prefers daytime and light. So of course I'm dating someone who needs the exact opposite, but we can talk about it. I can talk about it and I'm not afraid of being seen anymore. And I'm not afraid of being naked in front of another person anymore who already loves me or likes me or has made it very clear that she's attracted to me. Do I believe her? No, in my head. But if I look at the actions, and remember, this is a program of action, so I want to look at her actions. She shows up. She says loving things to me. She's physically appealing. Uh, uh, she shows that she's physically attracted to me. And she also shows that she's emotionally and spiritually attracted to me. So I can turn off my weird thinking sometimes with my action plan and trust her. 
Is this the end on be all relationship? I don't know. It's for today. Am I the person I want to be? I'm working toward it, going through my steps again, having done another ninth step work and realized that, oops, I forgot something on my fourth. I get to go back and do that again. I get to keep learning and growing inside so that if I'm inside and I'm okay to be seen by the world, I don't need to have the extra hundred pounds to be not seen by the world. One of the weird paradoxes, the bigger I am, the smaller I am inside. I'm okay to be seen. I know that my higher power has a plan. I also know that I'm not the person that came in 19 years ago. I'm not afraid of being seen. I'm not afraid of being loved. I'm not afraid of loving. I heard in the rooms that uh, recovery helps us feel better. We feel pain better. We feel joy better. We feel love better. We feel anger better. But we also, I also know how to handle those. And I don't handle them from the refrigerator. I handle them with my sponsor, with my trusted fellows and friends, and with my higher power. And if I can handle the highs and lows of relationships abstinently, knowing that my sexuality is a gift from God, as it's, it's God-given, it says in the big book, and that when I have troubles, I can use the same set of steps that work for everything else. I realize that I am blessed. And I just highly suggest to everybody to trust their higher power, trust the process, trust their sponsors, trust OA, work the steps, do a fourth step, do your the sexual inventory and the sexual ideal in the fourth step. Because the sexual ideal is who I want to be in, in recover, in as recovering person in a sexual romantic relationship. Time, time's up, Alyssa. Thank you. It's not the physical, it's who I want to be and who I get to be. I hope I made sense to somebody and I thank you all for my, my recovery. Thank you, uh, Alyssa. Before you proceed, I just want to check in with uh, Lynn Renee. Um, Berenice is here. If you would, if you want a break from translation, I could do the switch. Yes. Okay. So, Berenice, uh, you'll be ready once I set that up for you. We'll just take a moment here to do that. I thank you, Lynn Renee. I tried to go slow, but I'm a New Yorker. Eric, you're up next. Do you want to put your um, your video back on? Sure. And just, uh, Alyssa, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Thank you. Well, Berenice is, is on track. I just don't want to leave if she's not. No, I, um, I'd i like to to check in and see if uh, Berenice can now. Berenice, peux-tu nous faire un thumbs up pour vous dire que tu entends? Excellent. Bon, ben, bonne tradition, Berenice. Je suis de te voir. Okay, so all's good then? We can proceed. Yep. Should we make sure people can hear Berenice? All right. Uh, uh, Berenice, I'll go, I'll, uh, can you hear me? Uh, yes. Okay, that's good. I heard, uh, I did hear Berenice. Um, are we good with the, uh, with everyone else? Okay. So Alyssa, thank you. Uh, please go ahead. 
Okay, so our next speaker is Eric from Massachusetts. It's all yours, 15 minutes, thanks. Thanks. Um, timer, please warn me when there are uh, five minutes and one minute left. Yes, I will um, do that. Thank you. I'm Eric, I'm a compulsive reader. Welcome everybody. Um, I came into program uh, 32 years ago tomorrow and I've been abstinent for all this time except for five meals the last 21 plus years, back-to-back -back abstinence by the grace of God. I'm maintaining a 65 pound weight loss and uh, I've been racking since I was an infant and I have tremors. So if it looks as though I've been sh I'm shaking my head, no, it's just my tremors. He who saves a single soul saves the world. I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps. If I touch the soul of one of you, if I inspire you to take action of admitting your deepest shame and secrets, asking for the love you deserve, reconciling with someone you've estranged, you're estranged from, asking for or giving your willing partner of choice some wonderful, playful romance and sex, I will have done my job. I'm here to live on the edge of my vulnerability, talk about intimacy, or how I let love into my God-shaped hole, and after I took the manhole cover off, made of too much food, and asked God to remove some of the wreckage of my past and help me fill the hole with something positive. I started simply, I was given, here are four emotions that even a four-year-old can understand. Are you mad, sad, glad, or scared? And at first I was mad because the way he behaves is annoying. And I learned to change that too. I'm scared to stand up to bullies. The first hundred days in program were pink cloud, busy with what wiser people told me to do. But then something started happening with alarming frequency. Shameful, frightening, self-hating memories of having been incested by my father when I was 14 to 17 years old. I felt doomed, trapped, harassed by a cackling demon reminding me over and over. Overeating no longer there to stuff those memories down, they shot up into my consciousness like a volcano. I was anxious with three unwanted choices, suicide, binging, or asking for and getting professional help. I was a cross child, I was resolute. I wasn't going to turn away from program just to assuage the shame. I got down on my knees and prayed intimately to a higher power. I sought help professionally and kept going to seven or eight meetings a week, step meetings wherever I could find them. In 1989, I broke my abstinence for a meal to find my sponsor's food plan for me and called her the next morning and admitted it. Something seemed horribly wrong, so I asked, how come you're not scolding me, yelling at me, threatening to abandon me? And calmly she replied, why would I do that? 
and I burst into tears at her kindness. What's wrong, she asked. And I said, no one ever treated me this way when I screwed up. And I was intimate with my higher power for showing me a kind wife and mother. I had inadvertently 12-stepped my father. Something's changed in you, Eric. Can I attend one of those meetings you go to? And I said, no, Dad, I need room to recover. But a week later, I recalled the first tradition, and I invited him to come along. He liked the meeting, but thought that AA was more to the point with him, so there he went. One day, almost two years later, both of us still on our separate programs, he phoned me. Eric, I feel shame for what I did. And you're growing so fast that I'm scared I'm going to lose you. Is there anything I can do to make it up to you? Dad, you just did. For all the times we confronted Excuse you. Excuse me, Eric. Could you yes? slow a little for the interpreter? Yes. Just a little bit slower. Speak a little. Thank you. Dad, you just did. For all the times we confronted you and you snapped, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. You've just spoken your feelings in words, which is, well, which is all I ever wanted from you. And I burst into tears. And in a few words, he'd made amends and dissolved my disappointment and resentment. I've forgiven him. I resolved the night my father died suddenly to end every phone call with my mother and sister with, I love you. I'm committed to taking each opportunity to say it to my loved ones because I soon became estranged, but I soon became estranged from my mother. She wasn't adjusting well to widowhood and she wanted me to be everything to her, including her sponsor. And I needed to go into two more programs, learn boundaries and keep her out of my life for a while. I visited my sister the next year and I ran in a road race. And at the end, I reached out for an exuberant hug from her, but she declined and backed off. So I invited her to follow me to the refreshment trucks and let her take my share of all the sugary goodies that weren't on my food plan. And she handed me my weight and measured breakfast. And later she would explain to me that by my looks, and my mannerisms, I remind her, reminded her so much of dad who'd insisted her too, that she didn't want me touching her. I told her I was sad and disappointment. I was innocent, but I honored her boundaries. It wasn't about me. In 2001, I was at a workshop outside program and though it wasn't program, I could see how the 12 steps ran easily through the content. A woman got up to share and the facilitator got her to admit to a deep resentment she had towards her father for being emotionally unavailable. He moved her towards accepting her father unconditionally and finding a way to love him anyway. I felt this deep crack in my soul because she was telling my story. The crack was the break in my resentment towards my mother at the break, they encouraged us to call someone we hadn't spoken to in a long time. So I picked up the phone, called my mother, 
and for the first time in years. And I said, Ma, I get it that you did the best you can raising me with the skills you had and that I'm holding it against you for the job you did. But maybe you've changed since I last got along with you and I'm willing to start again. Thank God, she said, I've been waiting years for this. My sponsor encouraged me to make short weight and measured visits to her at first and to assert my boundaries and tell her that I needed what I needed in a relationship with her. My mother quickly got used to respecting me as a grown son and we had a loving relationship for the last 16 years of her life. By my changing, I got to walk free of my resentments and she didn't have to change one whit. Shortly after 9-11, I was leading my home meeting and was in a mood to listen to people I hadn't heard before. So I pointed at the raised hand of a well-dressed professional looking woman who appeared to be sitting with her husband. She shared with a sentence that started, I was scared because, and I immediately sat up and listened intently to her intimate vulnerability and later at the spiritual song in her heart. Another moment of that's what I want in a wife. She'd get up to share about once a year. I didn't recognize her because her fashions would change. But as soon as she started talking intimately, the song in her words was unmistakable. I sat up in my seat and enjoyed the treat of what she had to say, but I never went up to her. She was married. I watched a woman at a party kiss her boys and I wept and she hugged them too. I had never seen a mom be so affectionate with her sons. Is that how it was to have an affectionate, loving mother? And then she just let them go to be boys and play. I was in a AWOL four years later about the only man there and a different beloved woman in program noticed my despair about finding love. She was a little older and she had just found a second husband, an extraordinary feat. And one day she took me Thank you. And one day she took me aside and I was ready to listen. Have you ever written down exactly what you want in a woman? I knew the law of attraction by then. So I took her suggestion, used the tool of writing and wrote it out. About a month later, in a moment of hopeless despair, I dropped the page into a file folder and forgot about it. Eight years later, I walked up to that spiritual woman one day in the hospital cafeteria where we ate weight and measured breakfast together after a meeting. As I was walking to the men's table, I noticed her sitting alone at a table and feeling confident, I walked up to her, introduced myself and said, I've admired your shares for over, over the years, but I see the ring on your fingers, so I've always kept my distance. I believe that women of a certain caliber keep each other's company. So if you have a single girlfriend who wants a date, I'd be willing to take a, jam a chance based on what I've seen in you. She shifted her body away from me, smiled faintly and replied, I'll keep that in mind. I'd been trained in enough nonverbal skills to know that I had just creeped her out and I resolved never to bother her again. 
Four months later, I came home from a meeting. My sister was lying in a hospital room, having just had a stroke. But she was very lucky. She got the clot busting TBA, TPA in time. And I called my 87-year-old mother, told her the news, picked her up early the next morning and drove seven hours to the hospital. I packed and I packed weight and measured meals and some backup foods in a cooler. Eric, you must be some kind of saint for staying in the same car with mom for seven hours. I smiled patiently. We visited for three days and nights and I held the context of being the generous king. I said, I love you after every, every evening when I took my home to my sister's house. When it was time to leave for the last time, my sister eased herself out of her hospital bed with all the tubes in her and the wires. And she gave me a hug and I wept again. What's wrong, she said. I said, it's the first time you've hugged me in 17 years. A couple of months later, my 87-year-old mother called me and said, Eric, I don't want to die with the secrets, the family secrets. If there's anything you want to know, I'll tell you everything I remember as best I can. So I wrote down 21 questions about sex, 25 questions at all, and for six hours, she answered every one of them. And I answered her as in the middle, she admitted that when I was three years old, her husband, my dad, told her that she should stop being so affectionate with her son, and she obeyed. She really touched me. I had to learn how to, how to hug and program out of the bankruptcy of my own human contact. After all that compassionate admission between me and my mother that day, in which we washed each other's free of our doubts and disappointments and resentments, we were freer to love each other. I said intimately, my dad's been gone for over 20 years. I'm 55 now and you're 87. Can we start hugging after 52 years? Yes. And we resumed hugging hello and goodbye gently for the rest of her life. I have so much more to say, but I One just minute. want... I just want to say for you who have fear, doubt, and insecurity about body image, that spiritual woman and I have been in love with each other for over 10 years, living together for more than seven, and she lost half her body weight. And I tell her she's gorgeous just about every day because she is. Whenever I wonder aloud what I did to deserve her, she immediately replies, you were born. One night, she wanted to read part of her sex ideal from a big book step study that she'd written in a four-step years before we met. And I found and took out that piece of paper aging in my file cabinet. Our written words, our dreams, described each other precisely. Something like this could happen to you. It takes only hope and action. All I had to do was ask God to remove all the defects in my soul and he made room for romantic love in my heart. We keep the love flowing into each other's heart by taking the action of giving it away to others in service so that we might succeed in love, so that you might succeed in love too. Thank you for letting me share. God be with you all.
I'm grateful to have you in my life. Thank, uh, thank you, Eric. Um, thank you for your honesty. The, our next speaker, Claire, are you ready? I'm ready. Our next speaker is Claire, thank you. Good morning, everyone, I'm Claire. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. Um, it's a hard subject to talk about sometimes, um, but, um, and I didn't get a lot of time to prepare. So I hope um, I can deliver you a message of some hope and recovery. Uh, I came to OA about six and a half years ago. I actually came about hmm, 25 years ago. I had a brother that has uh, been in recovery and I um, was uh, went into meetings and didn't come back until um, I got endometrial cancer. And for those of those, anyone out there listening today, that type of cancer is often uh, associated with obesity. It's one of the cause factors. I often say I was the jaywalker in the big book because I knew I was at risk for that cancer and I could not stop overeating. Um, that was sort of my gift of desperation. And um, I honestly believe that had I not walked, well, I didn't walk, I listened to a 100 pounder meeting for six months until I was able to walk. Uh, I came into OA, I, I was over 420 pounds. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know the interpretation, uh, I actually have figured out what it was in kilos. I think it's 190 or something like that. Um, I couldn't walk upstairs. I couldn't fit in chairs. I could hardly walk a few steps. And I came in um, desperate for recovery because I knew I would die. And I, I honestly sit here today and tell you if I had not come to OA, I would believe um, 59 now, that I would be dead. Uh, my abstinence date is September 2014. I've given away over 200 pounds. And um, I don't know what my high weight was because after I hit that 420 pound mark, um, I wouldn't go back to the doctor to be weighed. So I came in, I listened to meetings, I listened to meetings, and I finally, after a few months, got abstinent. And I went from listening to phone meetings to regular meetings, and I began rigorously working the steps as if my life depended on it, because it did. And um, I've always been an overeater my whole life, and that's where I get to my body image. Um, I'm an incest survivor. I was um, uh, abused as a very young child by my father and other family members. Um, and I carried with me for years, both physical scars and emotional from that. Um, I will say for the record that um, I'm a compulsive overeater. I could have had the happiest childhood in the world and there were parts of my childhood that were very happy. But um, I, was, um, I was scarred and um, I was angry and resentful and I was even angry at God. And I was angry at my body, really angry at my body. And 
for years, I abused it. And one of the ways I abused it was food. I also abused it through my sexuality. I didn't respect sexuality. Um, I didn't respect the sexuality of others. I just was um, a tornado. And it was a tornado. And that's how I came into program. I had a lot of therapy with a really good therapist. And it helped me a lot. I had a post-traumatic stress disorder. I was dissociative. I would, um, you know, have flashbacks and memories. I never forgot my abuse. I have friends that I grew up that even witnessed my abuse. Um, so I never forgot it. But I was not believed when I reported it, which was also uh, really painful. So I came into OA and I worked the steps in relation to my fear of having a body, literally. I could have just been a person walking around, holding my head up with my hands. I never looked at pictures of myself. I never looked in the mirror. Uh, the few times I've, I lost weight several times in my life. In fact, lost a hundred pounds three times only to put it on back more rapidly. And whenever I lost weight, it would bring up huge fear because I felt that it made me um, appealing and a sexual being. Now, that was a false narrative in my head. Um, it was, because um, I, I never, I always had, I was having all sorts of sexual relations, but um, that fear that my body would be vulnerable if I didn't have my fat surrounding it was um, very real for me. Um, and I am grateful today to say that I don't live in that fear. And I've learned to love and accept my body. And I've learned to love and cherish my sexuality. And um, I'm in a loving relationship. And um, I think that's one of the promises that has come to me is that acceptance of my body and the forgiveness of my past and what was done to me and frankly, things I did because I didn't respect my sexuality. I had no reason to, um, given the background I came from. So how did I get there? Well, like I said, I did go for outside therapy and it was great, um, but it never alleviated the fear. So how did I get rid of this fear? It's, you know, I really had to reflect on that a little. And, um, I got rid of the fear by working the steps. And I really sit here today and tell you, I don't have that fear anymore. It is an old belief for me. And I got rid of it um, in working the four through nine, right? That's how I got rid of it. Um, I always, sh I share very often that when you, um, and I had told all this to therapists, I was never, hidden about my abuse ever. Um, but when I worked through the fear in relation to it, that I was fearful of having a body, that I was fearful of um, 
of loving and respecting my sexuality, honestly, because it was something that was unknown to me and that what was known to me was pain and anger and violence. Um, it was a strange place to be. But when I did my fourth step, I, I really rigorously listed the harms that I had caused because of it, the harms that I had caused myself, the harms that I had caused others. It was not easy. I, you know, I left home at 16, I did a lot of damage. And um, I met with my sponsor and I was able to turn it over because I had found a higher power of my understanding. And that was not easy for me. I, 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 I hated God when I came to OA or the God of my understanding. I was so angry at God for abandoning me as a child, but I was able to turn over to my sponsor the fear the fear that if I lost weight, that I would be abused again. And this is a hard world. You know, you could be any weight and be abused. Um, so I know it's not a, it's a false narrative, but it was my fear. And um, turning that over was great for me. And I was also able to turn over and forgive myself for all the abuses of um, when I was younger and how I dealt with my sexuality. And that was life-changing. It was freeing. The actual description of being freed of the bondage of self. Um, I always share when you, you know, the spiritual principle of the um, fifth step is integrity. And um, when you look up integrity in the dictionary, the second um, definition for it usually is to integrate, to be made whole. And I honestly believe that doing my fourth step and focusing on those issues with my sexuality and body image and the fear that I had with it made, made, made me whole, made me whole. And I'm grateful for that. Five minutes, Claire. Thank you. Um, the other thing is I had a lot of old beliefs that um, I was unlovable. I had been in relationships and then not, you know, but I had an old belief that I was unlovable and that because my body and mind had too many scars. And um, I used the, I'm gonna hold it up, I don't know if you can see it. I used the 12 step uh, study guide and workbook and within it, there's a um, sheet that says old beliefs. And it says, old belief about myself, what happens because of it, and my new truth. So even after I got rid of the, the fear, um, I still had this old belief that I was unlovable. And what happened because of it was it would impact my relationships with my partners. And um, it would also cause me, I, I respond to fear with either flight or or fight, procrastination, or fight, anger. And so it brought me to both of those places. And um, I was able to use that study guide and workbook 
after I had done my original fourth step and put forth what, what that had done to me, right? That fear had caused me to not be open in my relationships. That fear had caused me not to look at my body. And um, that fear had caused me to um, not cherish my intimacy. And um, I just wanted to read something. There may be some wrongs, this is from Big Book, Into Action. There may be some wrongs we can never fully write. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases. But we don't delay it can, if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. Um, without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet and we don't crawl before anyone. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And so I will just say to you today that in using that, I was able in using that old belief and putting it aside and realizing it was not beneficial to me. I was able to begin to love myself and open myself up to a partner um, I think is quite extraordinary and who I love dearly and be in a relationship in a way that was mature and honest and no drama and that I had couldn't imagine. It wasn't beyond my wildest dreams. It was beyond anything I could ever imagine. I thought I was like without limbs, that I would never be able to recapture that part of my soul and heart that had been damaged as a child. And through working through those, that old beliefs worksheet, I was able to do that. And so today I just sit here and I, um, you know, you all know I do a lot of service and I um, do it because I know it's God's will for me, but because I'm also so grateful to this fellowship because this changed my life. It changed who I am. And um, I'm a different person. I am a completely, I, I once had a doctor say to me uh, that I was unrecognizable on every level. And she was not just talking about my physical, but on literally every level. And for me, my body image has changed. And I'm, uh, I know I'm out of time, so I'm just going to say I love all you guys. And um, just keep work coming back until the miracle happens and, and work, work, work these tools. They really work. Thank you. I'm very grateful to be here. And um, I send you lots of love. And um, there's a new peace. There's a new peace that comes from working these things. I, um, you know, do it one day at a time. I'm not perfect. But, um, but uh, it has changed. It really, I have changed on every level. I actually agree with that doctor and I have the humility to say that 
I don't think of myself as less than or more than, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just grateful to be on the, on this ride with all of you. And um, I think I'm probably out of time, but I don't know. Um, and I, I will say that. Um, yes, Claire, your, your time is up. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Claire. Claire. Um, uh, Alyssa, did you want to uh, turn things over in terms of uh, Q&A? I was going to, yes. Um, I was going to read the <clears throat> section that says, read before opening meeting to Q&A. Uh, we will now open the floor for a question and answer session. Please type your questions into the Q&A function, not the chat. The Q&A moderator will read out the questions to the speakers and the speakers will have time for brief answers. It's a brief is up to three minutes. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this panel and we'll oh, open up for Q&A now, sorry. Um, I, Alyssa, it's Judy. I just wanted to add that chat has now been reopened. Uh, so if, if uh, people wanted to use chat between them, themselves, but um, as you said, Q&A is open for the, the questions. That's where you want to have the questions to the panelists. Yes, okay. Who is our Q&A moderator? Uh, Beth. Beth, who I can't hear. And would someone yes, um, open up our videos so that when we're responding, we, have, we can be seen? Thank you. I, I think all the speakers should be open now because the questions will go to to all okay well all at sometimes okay the first question is Alyssa mentioned an action plan she uses around negative self-talk uh, which you described that in detail if possible okay um thanks for the question so one of our tools is action plan and I know that when I get stuck in a narrow negative spiral I can either stay there because when an addict gets stuck in a rut what does she do she um she furnishes it and decorates it so rather than say stuck in that negative spiral that negative spiral my plan is to say stop acknowledge i'm in the negative spiral uh do a prayer usually it's a bless them change me and there are people i'll call up and say bless them change me and then we can talk about that so it's bless them change me or, or accompanied with the prayer of peace, peace to all beings, no exception. And it's a way of knowing that it's like, I can't change them, I can only change myself because it's usually negative about somebody else. Then I look to see what is that underlying cause? So if it's a negative about my boss doing whatever he or she is doing, I'll look and bless, bless them, change me, okay, I'm in fear that I'm going to be caught as not being good enough. So I look, what is my underlying cause? What's my underlying fear? What's the disease telling me? Then since I can always find proof of where I'm wrong or bad, I look for proof of where that's not true, where I am good, where I am loved, where I am not the worst human being in the world. And then kind of, if I can see where in my childhood, my sponsor is really big on that in, on inner child. Like where did I learn that I was no good and try to work and love that little child. But the idea is to stop the pattern, stop the spin, 
pray, bless them, change me, and see what is that inner hurt that's really being triggered. I hope that made sense. Sorry, I got knocked out for a minute. Oh. Yikes. I, we can hear I, you. I don't know what happened, but I just completely got knocked out of the room and I have lost all the questions. So okay. uh, somebody... So, uh Beth, yes, I can. I can uh, take a look and continue with them. Or, um, yeah. Or, or is there somebody else? If um, Sandy, since I'm Sandy doing the talk, do sorry, could, Sandy could probably do it. Sandy, um, Sandy, are you with us now? Yeah, yeah. happy to help. That's great. Thank you. Right. Bear with me one second while I get oriented here. All right. So we did that gorgeous question. Just hang on one second. All right. I think we're on this question, but somebody tell me if I missed it. This question is for all speakers. How did you get over your fear that you were not lovable because of your size? And the person shares, I'm a large woman and still struggle at, at times with this where I don't feel worthy of love. What, how can you help me? Like I'll to jump in. Thank you. I, I, I came from very large numbers. So I don't know that I will ever be at sight what someone, I've already had almost 30 pounds of skin removed from me and I still have skin hanging off of me. So I don't think I'm ever gonna be what we would quote unquote call a, um, you know, what looks like a normal body weight. My doctors are thrilled. They see my chart, they know where it's at. I, I don't need validation from outside. I did surrender a lot of weight and I'm grateful for that. But um, it was really through working the steps. I wish I had a better answer, but it was through working the steps and um, learning to love myself mm. and love others and acceptance. You know, I ac accept where my body is at today. You know, I accept it and I am, um, mm. acceptance is a big part of that like accepting, like if I go like this on Zoom, I look like I was, right? That's the reality. It's my reality. That's hanging skin, right? Um, that's okay. That's who I am. That's okay. And I would never, you know, some people came for the set, the vanity, you know, and got the sanity. I came from the sanity. Now I have a little of the vanity, right? It's a gift. Um, but um, it, it's being willing to accept my body for, for what it is. It's a gift from God. I'm able to breathe. I'm able to do things. Um, mm. If you work the steps and do a fourth step and work with your sponsor and address that fear, honestly, take it for all the way through nine and make amends to yourself and it, it'll work. Thank you, Claire. Who would like to go next? Eric? Sandy, sure. we have one minute left for this question. Okay, copy that. Um, Eric here. Um, yes, I heard, um, I don't want to go to bed with you because you're too fat, Eric. Um, and what I learned over the years because I was so socially backward was to give what little love I had. To be in communication with people who, were be who had better recovery than I did 
um, and did my job in my life better than I did. And to the, the steps, the catharsis of telling all the secrets at the, it, at the fifth step and, and the quiet hour and being ready to just ask God to give it all away. And um, I found that as I recovered more, uh, more and more uh, better people became attracted and attractive to me. And I just learned from them. And they were always a mirror to my behavior. And I t paid attention to what I saw in the mirror, uh, all the mistakes, um, all the things that seemed to touch people wonderfully. And um, I distilled the best and uh, worked with God and a higher power um, to let go of all the things that didn't work. And, but I just kept trying. And one day, 39 years after my first girlfriend, the second one appeared complete. Thank I, I you. And, you uh, sorry, Eric. Thank you so much. And Alyssa, I'm sorry we're out of time for that question, but the next question is for you. So I'm, gonna... I, I'm sorry, uh, Sandy. I, I um, understood from others who have done this previously that each speaker is entitled or each oh. speaker can respond for three right. minutes. Okay, so, cool. Sorry okay. about that. Um, all right, Alyssa, my love, will you please um, address that question? Do you need me to repeat it? Which question? Sure. Um, oh, didn't I dismiss Is that it? the big body self-love? Oh, here we go. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Big body self-love. I'm still working on that one, truly. But um, part of it is, part. one of the meetings I go to is affirmation. And again, if I look for something negative, I will always find it. If I look for something positive, which is what I was taught for my sponsor when I was doing my third step is looking for proof of a higher power that loves me. If I look for the positive, I can find that too. It's a little harder to believe. So I have, I've had relationships. There have been people who've loved my body. And it's slowly trying to believe other people, kind of letting others love me until I love myself. So in some way, it's letting others love me until I love myself. It's also being more physically active in my body and saying, wow, this thing can do things that it couldn't do before. Um, literally, I couldn't, I was on a hike and I physically couldn't get through a hole in a rock. It was like this tunnel. I couldn't get through the entrance of the tunnel. I was too big which I don't think I've ever shared before. But now I can go up and down stairs. I can do a lot of physical exercise. I can do things like, oh, my body. And I get to love my body through action. Uh, that's what I got. And then trust, trust God that she's got me. Awesome, Melissa. Thank you so much. And this next question is for you. So, um, how can we ensure that OA members who need to share about relationships and sexuality in the context of their personal experience can do that without being silenced because someone thinks it's a violation of tradition 10. All right. Um, I can read tradition 10 if you like, because I had to look it up too. Um, outside, if we have no opinion on outside issues. Outside issues, yes. Right. Very good. Um, if I share how I am feeling and my struggles then it's not an outside issue. I'm not endorsing anything in specific. I am not saying everybody needs to be this way or you have to do that. I'm saying, you know, it is really hard for me as a gay woman to try to be in 
in relationship or in a specific situation. Same with um, anybody, uh, the BIPOC population who feels uncomfortable. And if I'm talking about my experience and my feelings, I sh it's not a break of the tradition. Um, especially we're talking about sex because that's page 69 in the big book. We're supposed to talk about sex. Uh, we're supposed to look at our sex inventories and look at our sexual ideals. And if sex is more difficult, throw ourselves more into service. It says so in the big book. So it's not, a, it's not an outside issue with I'm talking about anything that is affecting me and my recovery without telling you what you need to do or believe. OA does not have an opinion. However, OA also has a very clear um, responsibility statement and um, the inclusion where everybody's included regardless of sex and sexuality and um, religious beliefs and body size and, and where the disease manifests. So it's and anything, the inclusivity statement says that it's not an outside issue. And again, as long as I'm talking about my experience, no one can say it's wrong. Thanks, Alyssa. And um, that question is open to all of us. I misread the instructions. So please feel free to share Eric or Claire if you have more to add on that. Um. I, okay, in the context of Tradition 10, um, I did mention uh, a couple of outside sources of help, uh, but I didn't identify them by name. Um, it's not my place to do that when I'm in a 12-step meeting. And uh, the other thing was, is that I took the steps that I learned inside the meeting with me, and I tried to interpret what I heard outside the meeting within the context of the, of the 12 steps. And in fact, you know, once I saw that I could apply the 12 steps outside of my life and outside of program, they were even richer and more useful. Um, and if, if someone's gonna silence me because of my sexuality, my attitude is just fuck them. Third tradition, um, my only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And, um, uh, talking about sex is one of the hardest thing to do. Talking about sex with, with men, with, with a male sponsee, with a sponsor, it is difficult, but I'm here to say it's hardly impossible. And um, uh, relationships, um, you know, starting as a newbie, you know, uh, uh, my wife doesn't understand me to, to just completely owning uh, my part in, in, in any relationship. And uh, being able to say, you know, my mother didn't have to change one whit. Um, that's my story. That's my truth. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I have to live and let live. Um, tolerance, it says right in the big book, you know, that um, uh, tolerances are, my memory's a, a, a bit gone, but uh, it, tolerances are code. And um, I, so long as somebody isn't using sexuality or relationships against somebody else. Um, they're just doing it in a very loving way. Um, uh, they're free to be themselves. Uh, program to me is all inclusive. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, did I cut you off? I have a terrible habit of doing that. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. So yes, Claire, please do. Um, you know, I, when I look at the traditions, I look at how do I apply them in my life? You know, so taking the other look at this, um, 
you know, if, if you look in, um, there's a sponsoring step pamphlet in OA, and one of the questions is in it is, um, how do I apply the um, traditions and the spiritual principles of my life? And if I look at that from that perspective, you know, that is how I relate to others, including how I relate to others with my sexuality. And um, I just, again, I'm like, I sound like an OA endorsement today, but I, I, I really recommend people get that pamphlet and work those questions from that perspective, because it will really broaden um, how you apply these things beyond just the meeting rooms, but in, in your life as a whole. And because um, just from my personal experience doing that for me, wow. It really opened up how I related to others, including in my sexuality. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we are starting and, to. Uh, sorry, Sandy, it's Judy. Yes. Yeah, I believe we would have time for maybe one more question. That's what I thought too, my okay. dear. So hang on thank one you. second, because I had a good one and then it got. So first of all, to everybody who posted questions, thank you. And I'm, I'm going to just try to pick the one that um, we can. Uh, it was right here. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Okay, this one keeps coming up to everybody. Did you make, I know Claire mentioned this, did you make amends to yourself? I'll start. Um, I did, I consider my abstinence a living amends. Um, I consider my doing exercise a living amends. I consider my hiking and walking and enjoying things that I couldn't do when I was abusing my body, a living amends. Um, I consider forgiving of my past, both things that I've done and things that were done to me, part of my amends. Um, so yeah, and I continue to do it. I continue, it's living amends. It's not a, a one-off. I live in living amends, you know, one day at a time and living amends. And that's it. That's yes. So the answer is yes. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Eric uh, or Alyssa, Eric? Sure. Um, absolutely, yes. Um, uh, physically, um, abstinence is, is a daily act of uh, amends and um, uh, I became a competitive distance runner on a, on a leg that I had broken into 10 pieces when hit by a car years before. My blood counts were completely out of control, such as like an iron count of 738 when 150 is the high end of normal. And um, I brought all of those in order with a, a doctor's and a nutritionist's care. And the nutritionist was um, sympathetic to OA. And um, the, the big amends that I had to make was to take the action, uh, to dare, to walk beyond my fears, uh, to get past my anger and resentment um, in order to have a richer life, to stop competing for victimhood and um, try to do something right, not be in fear of all the bullies who were trying to just stomp me down to their level because uh, here in program, I was able to rise above that and if they didn't want to join me, leave them behind. Um, and uh, I, I make amends to myself by uh, doing service to other people because through other people, I get to hear God's voice, listen to what I'm ready to listen to, learn the lessons, 
look in the mirror that these people hold up to me. And um, I, I do it all within the context of being an adult improver, whether it's, you know, trying to get, bit, trying to get better at my, my job or my hobbies uh, or loving my woman or being a better father, stepfather. Um, every day I say, there's an opportunity to learn and through humility, uh, through surrender, uh, that we learn through admission that we learn in those first three steps. Um, I am constantly uh, making amends and putting something new and wonderful and positive in place of all that energy that I thought I had to spend um, being negative. Complete. Thank you, Eric. And Alyssa, I'll invite you to answer and then you can close the meeting for us, my dear. Thank you. This is a good way for. Yes, I had a long list of things that I knew to make amends to myself. Um, this is the first time going through the steps where I've actually had to put myself on the amends list and detail what I'm doing because I was always very selfish. So it was all about me. But how is it amends is really taking care of myself. So as was said before, you know, do it, making my meals and appropriately is uh, making amends to myself, buying fun clothes that fit me dressing my body in ways that I like, that's making amends to myself. Medical appointments, dental appointments, the physical exercise. Um, also stopping the beating myself up. Um, and I loved how Eric referred to it, um, I don't know, with the negativity, kind of the victimhood. I'm like, as, a, as, a, as an Olympic sport for me right now, just, and continuing to work program. I've gotten abstinent for a while. That doesn't mean that I'm cured. That means I get to work program more and continuing to work program and to show up to convention and to share on these things, which are kind of still scary. That's still making amends to myself because it gets me where I need to go. Um, yeah. So I just want to say that I see that there are a lot of questions that hadn't been answered. I know that my number is here and I see Eric's text is there and if there's something else that I can help on, or you want to talk to me, please reach out. Um, I can't speak for Eric, but, um, or for Claire, but if there's something else that I can do to be supportive, please let me know. And have great rest of the convention. Yeah, same here from Eric. Um, if, if there's anything I can do, um, just uh, take down my numbers and, uh, and use it. Um, uh, I'd love to be of service. As well for me, I put my number in the chat, actually. Thank you all. And thank you all for being here for Sex on Sunday. Um, and we would like to thank everyone who attended this panel. I am humbled and honored to have been here. I am imagining I'm speaking for the rest of the panel. We'll now close the meeting with the serenity prayer. Is there somebody here who's got voice that can do it in French? Because we are a French. We are a bilingual. Um, Kimberly might be able to do the French on this side and then Berenice could do the French on the French portion. Kimberly, are you available for that, my dear? I just pulled that one out. Just yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are we all at once? Whenever you're ready. Thank you. Mon Dieu, donnez-moi la serenité d'accepter les choses que je ne peux changer le courage de changer celles que je peux, 
et la sagesse d'en connaître la différence. It might be done. Very good. And now one time in English, for those of us who don't know all that lovely French, beyond mon Dieu, God, God. grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. My will not die. Thy will not mine be done. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.